Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder. The number of children who are waiting for a loving, stable home is staggering. In Texas, close to 30,000 kids have been relocated to a safe environment because their parents can't or won't take care of them. Now, these children, they're all ages, but they're all in desperate need of an advocate as they weather their worlds just being turned upside down. And that's where a court-appointed special advocate comes in. It's known as CASA. Joining me now, Anna Futrell, who is executive director for CASA of McLennan County. And uh, when you came on board three years ago now, it was McLennan and Hill Counties. But now Hill County's got their own CASA director, right? Yes, our program formerly covered McLennan and Hill both. And then uh, we kind of threw a process of figuring out what would be most successful decided to focus in on each of our own counties and so McLennan kind of honed in here and then Hill County has now created their own CASA program there in their own community and they've had great success with with that. Well let's talk about the numbers. Um, There there are just thousands of children that find themselves in foster care for whatever reason and and then there are thousands that are really ready to be adopted into a full-time forever, forever family, you know. Um, Not all of them. I guess many of those uh, foster kids can be allowed to go back home. Things get cleaned up or whatever. Exactly. These children are victims of abuse or neglect, and so CPS will perform an investigation if they receive a a call of suspected abuse or neglect. And then uh, some children remain in the home and uh, everything's okay, and other children, CPS is obligated to remove them from the home and place them either with relatives who are safe or in a foster home. And so the goal is always for these children to return home to their original family if it is safe and secure. But if it is not, then these children need to find another option. And so CPS and other professionals will navigate that process and Perhaps they remain with relatives. That, that's always good if they can stay with some family members or they may uh, be placed in an adoptive family. Well, let's talk about the role of that, that CASA advocate for that, that one. They're court appointed. And, and when I hear that, I think, oh, man, do they need to be a lawyer? You know, are they um, 
you know, schooled in, in all kinds of intricacies like that, or, you know, and they're not foster parents That's at right. all. They just sort of team up with a child, right? Right. Our, our program rec- recruits volunteers that are community individuals. They're from all walks of life, and we provide good training and screening at the beginning and then prepare these volunteers for this advocacy work and provide full-time social work staff to support them in their volunteer advocacy. So they are the court-appointed guardian of this child. So the child does not live with them. That would be the foster parent or the relatives, but they are an advocate volunteer who gets to know the child's situation, gets to know the family, works with other professionals in the case, and then ultimately makes recommendations to the judge and to the court related to this child's safety, well-being, and best interest. What is the training like? How how you know, involved in it, how many weeks, you know, how long does it take to become a CASA volunteer? We are really quite flexible uh, because we know everybody's very busy. And so our training is 30 hours, but the majority of it, about 20 hours of it, is just sort of self-study. Some was online, some reading, some web resources. And then uh, we do have three in-person training sessions as well. And now in the time of COVID, we've moved those to online. Uh, we haven't haven't uh, stopped our training. It's just virtual these days. And so we run a monthly training class. And so folks can kind of jump in whenever works for them. And if this month doesn't work, then, you know, we could kind of bump you to the next one. What kind of feedback do you get from your volunteers? And, and how many do you have here we locally? We have just under 100 volunteers right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and so they they have told us that the training is very good, but similar to a lot of roles, there's a lot that you learn on the job, so, <laughs> yeah. to, see, so to say. Yeah. And so um, there's only so much that we can cover in 30 hours at the beginning of it. Meanwhile, each child's situation is so different that you just kind of have to jump in to the case that, and children that you're assigned to and get to know that particular set of circumstances. Uh, but that's would, where our staff comes in is they guide and help support these advocates. Well, I would imagine that there are situations where they're, they're bonded for life, you know, really? Yes, that does you know? happen. Uh, we kind of defer to the child themselves and the family, but we have CASA advocates that the official case is long <laughs> closed and they still have contact with that child or a positive relationship with that child. So what does it mean to the child then to have, to have that advocate? Our advocates are a really steady adult presence in their life. There is this casework and advocacy to do, but sometimes for the child that feels a little behind the scenes, uh, some of the more professional work here. Uh, But this can be a person that can really bond with this child and build that trust and hopefully be a constant steady presence across the entire case. There are many, many professionals that work on these cases and they may change out across the course of the case. Um, Different foster homes, different caseworkers, different teachers or therapists or attorneys. There's so many players. And the CASA is hopefully at least one person that can remain constant across the whole time. Mm. How how much time uh, do they spend with that child? What is there a hard and fast rule? Is it kind of up to them? It's not set in stone. Mm -hmm. Um, It varies per case, per point in the case, and per advocate. Um, Some of them, we have some advocates that are retired, and this is their whole gig now, and Mm -hmm. so they jump all in. And then others uh, spend a little less time, but still get the job done. And it it may average to about 10 hours a month. You know, that's kind of what we say if if we pin it down into an average. Um, But 
the, the length of the case is a minimum of a year. And so we do ask for a, a good time commitment for these children. And that time is set by the state of Texas, that that is the time frame when the courts need to decide, can this child go home or not? Um, and so if they can go home and it's safe, then they can wrap up that case. If not, that's where you end up with these children that are sort of stuck in foster care, as you hear, uh, that it's been determined that they can't go home safely to their original parents, but the then what hasn't been figured out quite yet. Is there, is there an adoptive home, or how can we find permanency for this child? Well, what what do they do with them when they're when they're with that child? Now, I mean, I would assume if there's a court hearing or whatever that obviously the casa would be there with the child but do they take them out for an ice cream Mm -hmm. or you know Mm -hmm. i mean currently no because of covid well then there's that (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. that's thrown us for a loop definitely but in normal times uh yes they can take them out on outings or uh you know take them to a movie or Mm -hmm. the park things like that to do some fun things with them uh and and then also that just really helps with building that bond Mm -hmm. other folks in the case like caseworkers and attorneys they have so many cases that they are working they don't have the time to do that but this casa advocate is dedicated to this one child or sibling group one family basically so they can really get that depth of focus and time oh that's and that's great and it and it is so crucial to that child um it's hard to imagine um, those of us who come from stable homes, loving mm-hmm. families, mm-hmm. what that would mean to a to a kid, and then often, you know, they've got siblings. Maybe they're not even placed with their s- siblings. That's you correct. Know? Siblings often get separated mm-hmm. into different foster homes. Well, uh, I want to talk about adoption <laughs> because um, you have adopted, right? Yes, tell, I have. tell me about your family. <laughs> Well, my husband and I have taken a different trek to building our family, uh, not super common. Uh, We have adopted our three kids from foster care, and so they're six, seven, and eight now, but on adoption day, they were one, two, and three, and we had them for a little while before that as their CPS case played out, and so they are biological siblings, uh, all three of them, and so... Uh, my husband's adopted. That was kind of the beginning of our conversations about it. And then it just evolved from there. And it honestly ended up feeling like a calling to become foster parents and see if we could jump into that realm uh, and see if we could serve. And so that's, uh, we kind of joke that we got the package deal a little (laughs) bit with kids all at once, but it's been awesome. And so that is indeed how we've built our family. And so I've kind of seen firsthand how this all goes from from the home front of it. And so when I came on staff at CASA, which was after our adoption and everything, I just, I'm able to bring a, a personal perspective to the work that we do for these children. Well, by training, you're a CPA, yes, right? You I went, am. went to Baylor, uh, you, you know, have, have all the, and you we're working with a major accounting firm yes. in Central Texas. What led you then to this line of work? Was it just the experience you had as an adopted adoptive that parent? That is or? a major piece of it. Really? Um, I was kind of looking to gain a little more mission in the work that I did day mm. to day. And so um, it, it was definitely a leap to go from the business world to the nonprofit world. But for my executive director role, a lot of those skills do translate. Uh, and so I'm, I'm kind of the administrative role in our nonprofit. And so that that was really a big learning experience, but a lot of fun. And I, I love my job every day. I would assume there's some fundraising involved, right? Yes. So how, how's that going with COVID? Well, <laughs> 
everything shut down three weeks before our annual fundraiser, Crawfish Aww. for Casa, in April. And so uh, we were so grateful, though, because our uh, constant donors and sponsors, year in, year out, they're so supportive of us. They still let us keep their support, even though we weren't able to have the event in April. So that worked out okay. We were very sad to not have our fun event, and we are looking forward to April 2021 and hoping that everything's okay by then. Uh, but we've seen some other things, uh, fundraising-wise, kind of diminish or have to be canceled. But we're doing okay with our, our supporters and donors. Well, do you find your, your supporters really, you know, have a passion for these children that through no fault of their own just, you know, yes. happen to be in a crummy Absolutely. situation? Absolutely. These, these kids, uh, they didn't ask for this situation. No. They're thrown into it. And simply the experience of being removed from their own home is traumatic in and of itself much less what goes on then in the year to follow. Uh, well, you are amazing what, you, what you're doing. Thank is, you. Uh, I'm just so inspired um, by folks like yourself who, I mean, you had a fabulous career and, you know, life was, I'm sure, quite, you know, settled. Mm-hmm. But, but to take on, you know, a mission yes, like I was, this. I, my family tries to build mission into our day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Uh, just with anything we're doing, even if it se- seems mundane, just who can we help and who can we serve? And so uh, with the, the bigger picture of my job and employment, I was happy to make that change. Well, I'm, I'm so impressed with CASA and love what you all do. Um, what I do like to do as we end these visits, um, it's a little questionnaire. Okay. Kind of uh, similar to the one the late, great James Lipton would use on Inside the Actor okay. Studio. Are you familiar with it? You're so young. <laughs> you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But <clears throat> he, he would end with this little questionnaire. Okay. And, okay, here we go. What is your favorite word? So there's not meaning behind this, but my favorite word is discombobulated <laughs> because I just really like how it sounds. And, it's and a re- I am that way a lot. And it's a times. really great label for what it means. Yes, just it is. Confused, but I don't know why. And yeah, <laughs> so that there's not deep meaning behind that, but that's. <laughs> I, I love it. Oh, okay, so what's your least favorite word? Least favorite word. Maybe this one has a little more meaning. Uh, I guess the word can't, which maybe folks tend to say that. My family has a saying, can't is a four-letter word in this platoon, which is a quote from the movie Sergeant Boko, which is very mature of us. But um, (laughs) when my kids, you know, I can't do this, Mama. My husband will chime in, can't is a four-letter word in this platoon, and they don't even know what that means. But that's just (laughs) sort of one of our mottos as a family. That's right. I can do it. I can do it. Yes, you can. (laughs) So what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Hmm. Um, I have kept journals since I was age nine or ten and so I probably say journaling that that's a time when I can kind of get my head straight and (laughs) kind of get clear on things whether it's you know personal job related who knows what I did notice you you like blogging yes I used to blog quite a bit Mm -hmm. and then three kids plopped into my life (laughs) and I got a little busy (laughs) that does there's (laughs) there's that so so what turns you off creatively spiritually or emotionally probably chaos, whether that's, you know, noise or just being too busy in life or messes or, you know, a lot of things that it's hard with I kids, can't though. control entirely. But um, yeah, if things are feeling kind of chaotic, then I'm not so much at peace. Mm-hmm. Um, what sound do you love the most? No sound. 
quiet. <laughs> yeah, with three kids. I've, I've heard that one before, too. my last answer. <laughs> the opposite of chaos. <laughs> what, what's, what sound do you hate? Uh, tornado sirens. Oh. They just good. really freak me out. Yeah. I hate tornadoes. I've never even been in one, but I hate them. Yeah, we, we had Matt Hines on this. Right? Yeah. He, he became a weatherman because he actually saw a tornado when he was five. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but we, you know, they do warn us. I guess yes. there, there is that. Yes. But, <laughs> yeah. But I, even, I get that. There's just something eerie about it. Yes. Even, even tests, when they test them. Yes. Even when they test them. There's one near to our office at CASA. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they test them on a certain day of the week. And one of our first days in that particular building, my staff were all so confused because it was sunny outside, but yeah. there's a tornado. So Why I'm is like, No, it's a test. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> what other profession would you like to try? Oh, gosh. I would maybe give writing a go. I've always wondered about that. I mentioned I used to blog, and so there's that, but I've always kind of thought of how could I somehow put our family's story into writing while still respecting my kids, their own story. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, maybe, I think maybe that's a, a writer. That's a great idea. What job do you know you would not like at all? I don't think I could be a teacher, especially right now. My <laughs> husband is a first-year teacher as, this year. As I saw you getting your, your child all squared yeah. away with yeah. something he was doing on a computer, I thought, yeah, there's here's our homeschool <laughs> teacher right yeah. here. So that's just... Uh, it makes you appreciate him, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes. It's so much work and much appreciation, especially right now for our teachers. <laughs> Well, finally, what do you want to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Go take a nap now for a few hundred years. (laughs) Enter your rest. (laughs) I've seen a joke on the Internet somewhere that, you know, when moms get to heaven, they need to first spend the first millennia taking a nap or something like that. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh, well, Anna, you are a a delight. And, um... Again, I, I'm, my hat's off to you for the work Thank that you. CASA does. How can folks get in touch if they want to learn more information about being a volunteer, perhaps just maybe contributing yeah, to the cause? Absolutely. We kind of have a saying at CASA, advocate, nominate, donate. If you can come be an advocate, please do give your time and uh, advocate for these children. If you don't think it's for you, is there someone else in your life that you think would be great at it? You could kind of nominate them, so to speak, and pass our information on to them. And then if you can donate, that always, always is helpful to us. Um, Our website is casaforeverychild.org. So a lot of information about our volunteer opportunities and our giving link are there. Um, And you can sign up for our newsletter. And we're also on social media, Casa McLennan. Well, Anna, thank you so much. Blessings on all you do. Thank you very much. while managing a family? 
Are you tired of trying to balance home and work and everything seems to be coming up short? Then there's a podcast made just for you. Baking Your Business from Scratch is where we create the perfect recipe for building a successful business while managing your home and family with love. Come join us and see for yourself. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Being smart about money and having tools for being financially sound are things we all need, but especially important for young people, and that's where Boss Club Foundation comes in. Its goal is to inspire confidence and creativity, teach financial literacy and stewardship, and this I love even instilling grit and adaptability. And that's all from their website. Joining me now by phone is Charlie Gassmeyer, who's executive director. Now, Charlie, you along with Brittany Blystein and David Grubbs have set about to help kids get some business sense. How did all this start? Well, thanks for having me. And it's great to be on your show. Um, You know, we started Boss Club uh, a couple of years ago, really with the mission um, to be able to teach entrepreneurship to students of younger ages. Um, My co-founder, David Grubbs, um, he taught at Baylor for a number of years in the entrepreneurship uh, department there. That's actually how we met. Um, and he had launched a course there that helped uh, college students actually start real businesses. So, you know, you're getting a degree in entrepreneurship. Well, you probably should go ahead and do the real thing and actually launch a business in your time there. And that's what his course, uh, you know, really accomplished. And that's how we met. And he and I have since started uh, a number of different companies and really enjoyed working together. And we had always kind of um, had discussions about how we really wanted to someday take that same concept of that class of helping students start real businesses and give it uh, to younger ages because it shouldn't, that type of education shouldn't be limited to just uh, college ages. Really, that, that should uh, start much, much younger because of everything you just mentioned. It really is a vehicle to, to learn uh, so many cross-curricular skills and, and, and develop that grit and adaptability. And so, a couple of years ago, we started Boss Club, uh, really with the mission of, of helping students uh, be able to practically learn entrepreneurship through starting real businesses. And so we can talk more about that, but that led us into also launching Boss Club Foundation, uh, where students could also be learning entrepreneurship regardless of their means or circumstance. And we could have um, community partners come alongside them and, and sponsor them financially to, to make it accessible regardless of, of where they're at in life. And so it's been a phenomenal journey, even just in the last two years, being able to help literally thousands of students start businesses and have their lives changed for entrepreneurship. Well, this is really, a, it's incredible what you're doing with this. And I mean, do you even start out with like basic things like how do you balance a checkbook and, and stuff like that? I mean, the basic business things that financial things that people need to understand? Yeah, we do. And so we, you know, we've got a spectrum of, of different products that we offer. I mean, we, we've got um, kind of a, a, a uh, a line of products focused on the elementary market. And so, you know, you, you can't um, can't start off too technical. And so we actually tried to mimic the model that Legos, you know, we're all familiar with Legos and, and uh, mm-hmm. playing with Legos. Yeah. So we, we tried to mimic the genius that, that they incorporate that, you know, they really help 
build engineers and, and people to think critically. But, but, you know, you don't start off with Legos by having just a, a huge box of random pieces. You start off by buying a box that um, builds only one thing. It builds a rocket ship. And the only thing in that box are, are pieces that specifically build a rocket ship. And that's how you teach, you know, students to be creative uh, with Legos. You only give them the pieces they need first, and then you turn them loose with, uh, you know, a, a bag of, of a ton of different Lego pieces. And so that's that's kind of how we focus on our elementary market. We've got other um, uh, products for middle schools and high schools, but the elementary market, we have business kits where you get a box that literally has everything you need to build a predetermined business. So we've got five different businesses. We've got dog treats, bath bombs, cake pops, fudge, and hand soap. So if you want to start one of those businesses, our business kit comes with everything in it to actually make that product, to package it, to market it, um, to kind of grow it and find customers and, and learn the basics of financial literacy. So ultimately getting back to your question about do we teach them how to balance a, a checkbook? Yes, in a, in a very fundamental way, you know, even at an elementary school level, we teach them to, to think about that and to know that those are things that they're going to have to be accomplishing. And for middle school and high school, we have a, a much fuller uh, curriculum that, that's a video course that really takes them the entire process of actually coming up with their own business idea and then launching that, growing that, and so forth. And so we, we've got a spectrum of kind of ages 7 to 18, and we've got different products that uh, are kind of age-appropriate uh, there within. Well, you answered my question about what ages, because you do start out uh, the elementary level. Now, how are teachers accessing this? I, I know that, you know, money is so tight in public schools. Are, are, you, are you having a pretty good market with teachers there on the, in the public school? Yeah, and, and let me back up just a little bit to not not to confuse things, but but we have we have two different companies here um, offering these. Um, we have Boss Club, and then we have Boss Club Foundation, and so they're distinct, but but they do have a lot of similarities. And so we started off with Boss Club, which the website is BossClub.co, so .co, um, and that's where we started with our original business kit. Uh, and that's how we started two years ago. We started with one business kit just to see if anybody would, would actually buy this and be interested in this. And, and uh, we made 100 boxes. That was our first run of inventory and, and sold out pretty, I mean, very, very rapidly. Um, it was very encouraging. And so we've since built, uh, you know, four more kits to get to five. And then, then we built the school curriculum that, uh, as of today, is being launched in 30 schools right now. But it's growing very rapidly. Um, and I'm ultimately going to answer your question here, but just to kind of give you the lay mm -hmm. of the land. So that's, that's BossClub.co, our entity, and the Boss Club Foundation was started in 2019, so a year ago um, as of this recording. And we basically use all of those same curriculum materials on the BossClub.co side, um, but for free, and, and give that to students. And so students can, can, um, can get those materials through a summer program that we put on that we'll talk more about that's actually sponsored by, by businesses and organizations and individuals. And so there's kind of two different things happening under, under two different brands. But to answer your question about curriculum, um, right now we're in 30 private schools uh, launching middle school and high school entrepreneurship courses where their students mm. over the entire course of, of one semester will come up with their own business idea and launch it. And, you know, it's been an interesting time to be launching that kind of business right now in the COVID environment. Um, because we were worried about that, you know, what, how do schools um, with, with, you know, ever constricting budgets pay for a new course? And, and we've actually found very encouraging results uh, in the schools that, you know, our curriculum is very, very affordable. Um, frankly, I think we're underpriced, but we try to make it accessible. And, you know, schools tell us that they are always pressured to do more with less. 
you know, they're trying to uh, make sure that their students are having a very rich experience and they're communicating a lot of value back to the families that are paying for their schools to, for their children to be in private schools. And so our curriculum is a very innovative, affordable way to do something that, um, you know, really isn't offered at, at many other schools across the country. And so we're finding that our curriculum is actually very, very attractive uh, to schools that want to jump in and, and teach something so important and, and uh, revolutionary as entrepreneurship in a, in a very affordable and practical manner. Well, we've wrapped up the summer season. So this has been your, what, second summer to do the, the boss clubs? Um, how, how has that gone? I mean, how, how are the students finding out about it? Where are they held? You know, how does all that work as maybe folks want to line up for, for next summer? Yeah, so our Boss Club Foundation that, that operates our summer programs, yeah, you're right. We've, we've done two summers of it. Uh, the first year in Waco in 2019, we had 125 students um, go, wow. through, go through our program. And this last year, so 2020, we, we did the Waco uh, program again, and we also expanded into Dallas. And um, whereas we had 125 kids originally, this summer we had 872. And so it, oh, it, my word. <laughs> it, grew, it grew pretty significantly. <laughs> And the cool thing, yeah. Anne, is that is that all of those kids, um, you know, really got to do that uh, at no cost. There, there were some, there were some that that paid for it once our kind of sponsored uh, spots had been taken. But but the overwhelming majority of the students got to experience entrepreneurship for free because of the generosity of many corporate sponsors and foundations and really generous individuals. They paid. They said, hey, we want to invest in the uh, education of our youth in our backyard. And so we are going to pay for them to get this experience and get to start their business. And so just really incredible results. Um, and the way we find them is, is once we have corporate sponsors that have come in and said, hey, we want to sponsor X number of students, then once we kind of know what our, what our kind of limit is going to be, then we just start contacting principals uh, all over Dallas and Waco ISDs and the surrounding areas. And we say, hey, there's going to be this really awesome opportunity this summer. It's free for the first, you know, 800 and, and something students. Uh, here's where you can go sign up, and, and these are going to be the program dates. And so we actually had uh, all, you know, 800 plus students sign up in, in literally a number of days. It was incredible how much demand there was for our summer programs. We're just very, very encouraged. And so now we're in the process of fundraising for our 2021 summer program. Uh, but the results from from this summer were were quite spectacular. Well, you guys have often—I mean, obviously—you've you've hit on a a, a real need and uh, something that folks are interested in. I guess that's kind of the basis of starting new business: find out you know what people are wanting and then give it to them. Um, can you think of any? You've done it two years now. You've had a lot of students go through. Any success stories kind of rise to the top that you can think of? Students that were really impacted by this. Yeah, there, there's a bunch and probably too many to mention. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. even just from a quantitative standpoint, I mean, the number of students that have sold, you know, hundreds if not thousands of dollars is is too many to count. I mean, the, the success really? that these students have, even just from a financial perspective, is um, is really inspiring. I'm, frankly, I'm a little jealous. You know, that they can they can start a little <laughs> dog treat business uh, in a in a few weeks in a summer and and just have skyrocketing sales and success, but. You know, really the, the more meaningful impact and the stuff we're even more excited about is, is the stuff that has nothing to do with money. It's, it's getting to know, um, you know, the students that might have mental disabilities or learning disabilities, they might be on the spectrum for autism, they might have Down syndrome, and, and getting to know these families and understand that entrepreneurship is one of the unique things that actually helps with their people skills. And, and these parents that have been looking for some type of resource to help 
you know, build up their student and, and encourage them. And, and um, you know, entrepreneurship gets to be the thing that uniquely does that. I and mean, that's really, that's really touching to us to know that we get to have an impact like that, that, that goes way, way farther um, than just sales dollars and, and getting to hear the, um, you know, the stories of students that are able to raise incredible amounts of money for really great nonprofits. And, the, and they're giving part of their profits away and, and they're, you know, partnering with other organizations. I mean, these kids get really, really innovative and sure they're making money and, and they're creating bank accounts for the first time and they're saving for their future. But I mean, I think it's all just the really the soft skill development that just keeps coming up with more and more and more examples of them, of them growing and their creativity and their confidence and their people skills and their critical thinking. I mean, that's really, that's really what we're in this for. I mean, because, you know, yes, some students will discover that they want to be entrepreneurs for the rest of their life, but really more than anything, what it is is a chance for them to just grow and, and they'll forever be changed when they look back and they realize, okay, I, I saw a problem. I saw a need. I put in a lot of hard work and I had this outcome. I mean, just being able to have that learning lesson um, is really transformational because they can apply that to any other pursuit in their lives, whether that's going out to the basketball team or applying for college or trying to get a job or, you know, being a parent or any of those things, that kind of process loop, um, is just really, really important to learn at an early age. So just a, a ton of really awesome success stories that really transcend money. It's more about, you know, the development and how these kids are also giving back to their communities. Well, I just have a huge grin on my face hearing about this. I mean, it's 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 life-changing. I think when I was, a, you know, a middle school student, I took typing in the summer. <laughs> so, you know, and that's a good skill to have. But when I think about what you're opening, the, the doors you're opening for these students to learn how to, you know, to think and create and, and then even be philanthropists, you're telling me. That's right. I mean, these students have a, have a, a very large heart um, and it, it's, it's great. I mean, we feel very honored to just play a very small role and if we can help be the, the catalyst to kind of give them some of the, the resources they need to kind of put these things together in their lives, we're, we're honored to, to play a role. But I mean, we are, we are constantly just amazed by these stories coming from students and, and how much they're able to accomplish and things that we, you know, we don't even think to teach them because we don't even know that that was a possibility. And then they come back and they say, well, you know, we got on the radio and we were able to raise this amount of money for this hospital and do this stuff. It's like, man, well, we ought to probably start teaching you to do that because <laughs> you just proved that, that it's possible. Um, so it's a, it, we're honored to, to play a small part. Well, again, you guys are, are brilliant to come up with this, the Boss Club, Boss Club Foundation, and, and how can folks get more information? Yeah, so for, uh, for our summer program, um, you can learn more at bossclubfoundation.org. Um, you know, we're always looking for more uh, individuals to help sponsor our students or, you know, more corporate sponsors and donors. So if you're a business out there and you're looking for a way to, to give back to the community and get involved in the lives of students, you know, being a corporate sponsor for our programs is a, a fantastic way to do that. And, um, you know, for our school curriculum and our, our business kits, you can learn more about those at bossclub.co, so bossclub.co, um, and love to help get some curriculum installed in your home or in the classroom. Oh, Charlie, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Charlie Gassmeyer, who is uh, one of the directors of Boss Club Foundation, and it's just been a delight. Thanks so much, Ann. Great to be with you. Central Texas Living is part of the Rogue Media Network family. Be sure to check out their other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate us five stars on iTunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Living, the podcast. 
This has been Rogue Media Network Podcast.